Satsang Podcast by Sri. Love is the vision of oneness. As a child growing up, you probably experienced the world similarly to the way that I did. You grew as a small child in school, did your studies, and was told that one day you will grow up and you will have a profession and you will meet that very special someone, you will fall in love and you will get married and have a family and have a life that was based on mutual support, love, understanding. You would possibly both have your careers and you would raise your children. That is pretty much the model of modern day society. Of course, there are various differences in different cultures. Here in India, love marriage is more of a new thing. Before that, it was arranged marriages that the families arranged, and that's still going on today. But in either case, the message is that you will have love and you will live happily ever after with your spouse and have a wonderful family and a wonderful life. However, when we observe this situation of what's called modern day life, we see that most of the time this vision falls short of what the expectations are. Because what happens when one lives that standard model of living, of society, of family, of career, then one finds that there is a great struggle in many of these areas. It doesn't always go so smoothly as is hoped for. And one can observe this as you probably did in your own family, as I did, that you see that with your parents, with your family members, that there's ups and downs, there's goods and bads, there's success, there's failures, that although there's supposed to be love between your, fa your parents, that there's a lot of fighting, although there's supposed to be love in the family, that the family is arguing. Sometimes they're getting along, and a lot of the times they're not. And depending on how the marriage was of your parents, and whether they stayed together or got divorced, you observe this. So the model for what perfect love and satisfaction is of most societies does not meet what the general expectations are. Now why is this? So let's observe from the viewpoint of the meditator, of the yogi, of the one who's doing sadhana. And we become aware that the love that was spoken about by the families, by the parents, by the societies, where you were supposed to meet that perfect someone that would fulfill you, that would make you feel complete, that would love you forever, and that you would love forever, that that type of love that they're speaking about in the yogic system is called rag, which is attachment. So it's not the real love. And that's why it fails, because as we've seen, that the other side of rag is dwesh. Dwesh is aversion. So when your love is based on that this person should love me forever and meet all my needs, 
and agree with me, at least most of the time, if not all the time, then there will be a great disappointment because as you're analyzing and examining your mind and the minds of others, you start to see that on the level of the mind, on the level of the sanskars and all the impressions that come into the mind, that no two minds can think alike. No two minds are alike. So there will never be agreement on the level of the mind. Therefore, when one is told that you will meet this perfect someone, maybe your soulmate, and you will agree, that cannot happen because the minds will never agree. There cannot be harmony on the level of the mind, on the level of the actions, on the le level of the desires, because everybody's desires will be slightly different. Everybody's goals will be different. Everybody's wishes and hopes and dreams will be different. So when you take two people and you put them together and they say that they have fallen in love, as most of us have had this experience, I'm sure, that temporary state when you're experiencing that love where the person can do no wrong, where there's complete oneness and agreement, that's actually the real love. So you have momentary glimpses of that when you say you've fallen in love. You've, at that time, you are not seeing the person's faults, or if you are, you don't care what they are. You're not seeing whether you agree or disagree. You're not even aware of whether you can get along on a practical level, say in a household situation, if you have the same ideas of how that should be done or how you should raise your children. But you're experiencing a state of love because love is actually a state. As the topic of this podcast states, love is actually the vision of oneness. That love has no language has no words, has no ideas, has no sanskars, has no impressions from the past, or has no future. It just is. And that's why we say it's oneness, because at that moment, it's as if you and your beloved are not separate. You're not two different beings with minds and different ideas and desires and aspirations. You're just one at that time. That is the real love. However, when you try to make that love permanent or last on the level of two bodies with different needs, different wants, different desires, this will fall short of your ideal. So most people then experiencing this state which you call love, which we call love, believes that this love will see you through. This expression goes, you can live on love, that this love will see you through all the difficulties, all the challenges, and in some cases, it certainly does help. But for the one who experiences this love and believes that it is limited to this one other person and doesn't have an experience or a state as we do in meditation of that pure love, then the desire will be to have this other person be permanently the way I need them to be so I can continually experience and enjoy this state of union, this state of oneness. And as most of you, I'm sure, have seen by now, this is a prescription for failure 
because you cannot control another person completely to be the way you think that they need to be so that you can experience love, that you can experience peace. And when you try to do this, great conflict arises. And that's why they say that when there's rag, there's dwesh. Whenever there's attachment or need for this person to be a certain way, to satisfy me, to make me happy, then when they fail to do that, which has to happen because they're not really capable of doing that, given that their mind and conditions and ideals are different, and again, there's various different degrees of this, that they will not make you happy, and you will blame them because you set it up so that they should make you happy, and then there'll be dwesh, there'll be some kind of aversion. And the extreme form of dwesh is actually hatred will ensue, and then we can see why the divorce rate is so high. So from the perspective of the yogi, this certainly makes complete sense as why the divorce rate is so high and why those that begin with a state of love and say they've fallen in love often end in conflict or divorce. So now, what is the solution for this? Because we can see that when two people are together, there can never be complete oneness on the level of the minds. So the problem again exists on trying to get the minds to agree rather than focusing on the love that is eternal and that is unchanging. And in order to do that, you have to have your own direct experience of love, which is that vision of oneness, which is that pure being, which is that consciousness, that should chetan, that pure consciousness that you experience in meditation. So as a meditator, meditating on space, on the knower, you experience that self-effulgence that you are, that purity, that freedom that's not dependent on anyone else. Therefore, there's no need for attachment. As a human being, there's a total need for attachment because there's a sense of lack, there's a sense of not being fully satisfied. So you find those things, those objects, the new house, the new car, the new relationship that will, for some time, fulfill you and make you feel peaceful and happy and easy. Your desire is fulfilled and then there's a state of ease, there's a state of temporary fulfillment which is actually your true nature, which is actually the true state of who you are. But when it's dependent on something outside of you, it's transitory, it's changing. So although from that you get the glimpse of who you really are, it doesn't last, it's changing. So as a meditator then, we do our sadhana, we do our practice, so that we're focused on that which is unchanging. And it is that love which never changes, which is forever present. And through placing the attention on that pure love, on that pure being, then the expectations of finding it outside only begin to diminish. Now, as I've said many times, and we've said in these podcasts, this takes constant repetition and practice, which is why we are doing this whole podcast program, so that you can listen again and again, because to be established fully 
in that pure love, in that vision of oneness, is the solution. We've said that ignorance of the self, of the true self, is really the only problem. So the only solution then is knowledge of the self. Knowledge of the self is knowing that pure, free, forever, indivisible, unchanging space that is you, that is me, that you've always been before you were born. And in fact, that space has never been born as you. You are that fullness, just like a wave is the really the full ocean. You are the essence. You're not the sprout, you're the seed from which the sprout emanated, the very essence is you. So when the attention moves towards that freedom, fulfillment, pure love that you are, then there's a sense of full satisfaction, love, ease, peace. And now the practice is to have faith and trust in that space rather than in your mind. So the point of Vivek, the point of discrimination, is to discriminate at between that which is your changing mind that says there's some lack in me and when I'm with this person I feel really good. I have an experience of my own self basically of that pure love and there's an energy we call it a chemistry with some people that maybe you don't have with other people and you experience that and it feels so real because it is real. It is that pure state that you are. However, what the mind will do will say that it's this other person that I need to experience this pure state which is me. So then the mind sets it up that I have to be with this person and I have to be with this person forever. And sometimes we've seen how this can happen where the person, two people might even be married to someone else and then they experience this love state, this chemistry, this energy, this power between them and then they think now they have to um, divorce their other their spouse so that they can now have this new relationship. And then oftentimes they do that and then this relationship fails because it's again based on an illusion. The illusion is not the love. The illusion is not the space of oneness, of connection, of harmony. That's the truth. That's the pure being. The illusion is is that the other person, this other body, separate from you, is needed in order for you to have that direct experience of who you are. Because, again, this has been the experience. You have this other person, you have that direct experience of who you are, and then you think you need the other person to constantly fulfill that. However, if you examine what has happened in your past, you'll see that this is an illusion. It's Maya. The other person cannot fulfill you completely. And the only one that can really fulfill you completely is you. And how do you fulfill yourself completely is that you know the self that you are. You know Amaramham, Maduramham, immortality and bliss. And from the very first moment in the morning when the mind comes in 
and says, I am this person, I am this body, I have these qualifications, I have these needs, I have this, these desires, I used to love this one and now I have aversion towards them or hatred, now I need another person to love so I can feel fulfilled, now I need to make this amount of money so I can feel secure, now I need to sell my house so I can have the money or buy a new house or whatever the situation is in your life. I need to correct my physical health problem so that I can feel healthy again. I need to overcome this problem or that problem. This is the human being waking state and we all know it. We're all very, very, very familiar with it. But as the meditator, as the one examining, you start to again practice Vivek Kyati, which is discrimination between what is changing and what is unchanging. And you keep placing your attention on unchanging, I am, immortal, I am, blissful, I am. And when the mind says, no, 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 that might be very nice and that's okay, but I'm in control and you are a body and you need to do this for your body and you need to get this satisfaction and you need to find this person and you need to get rid of that person you need to have these pleasant interactions and not these other interactions and you need this to go right and that to go not to go wrong and then you'll be happy that's the mind so you bless the mind and make it okay because that's how it functions and you know that that's its functioning and that's its limited power it gets its very power from the self but then it's limited in how it can function. But you know that the power, the source, comes from knowing who you are, from knowing that immortal and blissful being. And now the mind can think all those thoughts and have all those desires, but you're not that. You're not caught in it. You're not needing it to be different because right now you can be okay as you are. If this is difficult for you, as many people find it, it is, that's because the yoga sadhana is a complete program. So there's an interplay of the gunas, rajas, tamas, and sattva. And of course, the more sattva, the more light, the more balance in your system, the easier it'll be to focus on your pure being, to trust that the solutions will come from that space the knowledge will come from that space. That will guide the mind and the body to do that which is the most appropriate to support the life, to do what the body needs for its maximum health, for its maximum enjoyment. That will come from the attention on the self, which is easier when the system is in a sattva condition, a sattvic condition. This comes, of course, from living the yogic lifestyle, which means that you're eating light food, good healthy foods, getting exercise, and not allowing the mind to dwell on negativity by watching terrible movies or violence or being in the company of those that are negative or violent in their actions or in their speech. So all of this comes together because if the system has too much rajas from eating wrong foods or overactivity or being in very rajasic company, listening to wild music, overindulging in the senses, 
then it'll be very difficult to meditate and to know the pure being. And also, if there's too much tamas, the system is tamasic, then that will also be difficult to meditate. You'll be too tired, too lethargic, too wiped out. And again, from overindulging in the senses to a point where you're exhausted, this will be the condition of the body. So yoga, unity, is balance, is a balanced state. Eventually, it's a balanced state of the gunas, so there's more sattva, and then it brings you into a state where actually the whole purpose of the gunas is finished, and you actually go beyond the gunas, so that you're just in that pure, free, forever state that you are. And this is why we continue sadhana and practice with the full awareness and openness to know that whatever is happening in your life, whatever problems that you entail in your life or go through, every night when you go to sleep, you're in that free state of deep sleep. So there exists a fourth state of consciousness where similarly to deep sleep, you're free. You're not engaged in the mind and its thoughts and you're functioning from that state of pure being, knowing yourself as that pure, free, and forever. Amaram ham, maduram ham, amaram ham, maduram ham, amaram ham. Madhuram Hamm.